1: Notice at the end of the second half of verse 14 that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so we really need to be sensitive to how God might answer your prayer. And how does he do it? What are some of the ways? We know of them. Through, certainly through his word. He speaks to you through your word, through his word. As you pray, open your word, read, read. Read as much as you can. You'd be surprised how often Lord can answer your prayer by you reading just His Word, and He will answer you from His Word.
0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. If something is God's will, why doesn't he just do it apart from our prayers? Why would he wait to accomplish his will until we pray? Because God has appointed us to work with him, as 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, as workers together with him. God wants us to work with him, and that means bringing our will and agenda into alignment with his He wants us to care about the things he cares about, and he wants us to care about them enough to pray passionately about them. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson.
1: This is why the Bible has so much to speak about patience. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. One of them, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and here it is, long-suffering. In our English, it means patience. We need patience. I need to grow in patience. And the problem is, the greater the conveniences that we have in our life and the easier things get, usually the more impatient we grow because we've grown accustomed to ease and convenience. Does that make sense? It's like a baby. If you continually give a baby candy or an infant candy and all of a sudden you give them asparagus, you're going to have a problem. You give that baby candy in the lollipop every morning and they're used to licking that lollipop and on Friday morning, you give them asparagus instead. You're going to have a screaming child throwing stuff all over the kitchen, right? And often we can be like that because we're used to certain things. Today is a good example. You know, we came in here. I mean, thank God it's warming up, but you know, we're so used to certain things happening. And then when we come in, we got a freezer we walked into this morning. We're so used to things, we're so used to the ease and the comfort that when it's taken away from us, boy, we can get nasty inside. We can say, well, I'm leaving, I'm going home, whatever it is. But if we lack confidence in prayer, it may be that we just don't understand who God is and his character. Or it may be that we are asking the wrong thing. Or even worse, maybe we are struggling in faith that God would even answer our prayer. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. This is a wonderful passage, and I think we can all relate to it. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. It says, When Jesus came to his disciples, Mark chapter 9, verse 14, he saw great multitudes around them and the scribes disputing with them, and immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed. And running to him, they greeted him, and he he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. So this son is demon-possessed. So in verse 18 he says, and, and, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes at his teeth, and it becomes rigid. And so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it away, but they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so as he asked his father, "How long has he been? How has this been happening to him?" And he said, "From childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you if you can do anything, notice if, but if you can do anything, Son of God, Creator of the universe, if you can do anything." Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love this man's honest answer. He said, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, there's a there's a row a, of a, a disconnect when we don't believe that the one we're praying to can really do it. He's up for the task. Is he strong enough? Is he wise enough? Is he all-powerful enough to fix whatever it is that I'm asked him? You know, and so this man was struggling. And you know what? God healed the child in spite of the man's faith, in spite of his vacillation in his faith of Christ. Not really sure whether he could really do this. I've seen you do other things, but I'm not sure you can do this. Therein lies the problem. And see, it's not even bound up in our faith. It's not even so much my faith that gets the job done. It's his faith. When we pray, we are, we are resting in his sovereign hand, not in some faith that I have, or, or maybe my faith is little. It doesn't matter about my faith. If I pray and it's God's will, it's gonna to come to pass. And I want to encourage you in that, because sometimes we pray for loved ones that are sick, And they don't get healed, and they pass away. And we think, you know, God, we know. And I've seen, I've heard of instances where people have been delivered from cancers. They've been delivered from these things. These things really do happen, folks. Sometimes it's just part and parcel in this sinful world, this fallen world, that's part of the fall of man. It's the going to death, the death of the human body. That's part of the the fall of man. That's part of the result. That's part of the consequence. We don't live as long as we used to. It's part of it. Sometimes our aunts and our uncles, they need to go. Sometimes God can deliver them. It's up to Him. And we should pray. But don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. God's will is being meted out. In Psalm 84, I love this. God will, it says, no good thing will he, will God uphold or withhold, I'm sorry. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And he goes on the next verse, blessed is the man who trusts in you, Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. He will not withhold from you any good thing. Do you believe that? It's easy to say right now, yeah, I believe that. But do you believe that when you're going in through your darkest hour? Believe me, those are, the, those are the waters that we're tried in. Those are the times that we're really measured. And see, God knows, I don't know myself. I don't know what it takes to break me. I don't know what it's going to take to get me out of my self-confidence or whatever it is that my problem is. I don't know what's necessary for God to break me of that, but he does. And he knows the measure. He knows exactly how to do it and the duration of it. And it's different for everybody. And yet we look at each other and say, well, God didn't you know, do anything with you when you did this. Hey, think of that as God's grace. Because sometimes two people can do the very same thing and God can really put the hammer on one and the other one gets off, or at least they think they do. And maybe it's the next instance of that particular sin that God says, okay, I've, I, I can't let this go any further. I've given you all the rope that I can because I know your heart. And boy, isn't that scary that God knows us more than we know ourselves? I don't even know, because had we known that, we wouldn't have gone that far, right? Is that true? But because we don't know ourselves, God knows, and boy, that's a scary thought. That's why it's so important that when we get caught up in a sin, whatever it is, we need to repent, and we need to take it very seriously because we're often so footloose and fancy-free with sin these days. God's a God of grace. Throwing that up all the time. God's a God of grace. Yes, he is a God of grace. And if you understood his grace, you would turn quickly from what you're doing. And you would no longer do it. And you would beg him to give you the gift of repentance. It is a gift. Ask him for it. And because he's a good shepherd, he has the right to deny you something that's going to hurt you or corrupt you. And see, that is what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd, a physical shepherd of sheep, he goes out into the field beforehand. David was very familiar with this kind of idea. Before he would take his sheep out into the field, a good shepherd would go out into the field. He'd become familiar with that piece of land. He would know what's growing in that land. If there are poisonous plants or leaves or anything that's going to cause the sheep harm, he's going to remove it. He's going to pluck it up. He's going to have a bag. He's going to Put that stuff in there. He's going to remove it. He's going to make sure there's a fresh water source. And if there's not, and and it's too too difficult, he'll take them somewhere else. It it gives new meaning to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That means a pasture that's not full of nasty stuff. A pasture full of spinach and arugula. All those good things that you're supposed to eat. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Avion water just flowing crystal clear. No parasites, no bugs, no muddy water. He leads me beside the still, water, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Didn't Jesus say in Luke chapter 11? Verse 11, he says, If a son asks for bread from my from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if you, he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you get, offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, having a, a, an unregenerate heart, or even just an a, 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 in the natural, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's a good father. He's a good father, but he does things according to his will. And we need to pray in accord to his will. Notice at the end of the second half of verse 14 that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so we really need to be sensitive to how God might answer your prayer. And how does he do it? What are some of the ways? We know of them, through, certainly through his word. He speaks to you through your word, through his word. As you pray, open your word, read, read as much as you can. You'd be surprised how often the Lord can answer your prayer by you reading just his word, and he will answer you from his word. He'll also speak to your heart in that still, small voice, and whatever that still, small voice is directing you to do, it's not going to contradict the rest of his word. It's going to be in agreement to it, and that's how you know it's the Spirit of God and not just your own flesh, or even a demon whispering in your ear. Oh, it's okay. That elderly woman walking across the street, she's got that billfold that's sticking out because she's got that wad of hundreds. It's okay to hit that. It's okay to, to knock her over and take her cash. She only needs half of that. Actually, she doesn't need even a quarter of it. So it's okay. Donate it to the church. That's what the devil will say. Does that sound like the Spirit of God? Of course not. It would violate his word. He speaks. He speaks. He can plant something deep in your heart. And this is the funny thing is nobody, there's no evidence of where it came from. He just plants it in your heart. You have, you can't explain it to anybody. And that's the frustrating thing because you know, you know that you know and you try to explain it to somebody. And they, again, I, I use this phrase all the time. They look at you like a cat testing new eyes. What? He can plant something in your heart, and he also He can answer through circumstances of life. Are you praying about a better job with better hours so that you can spend more time with your kids or with your family? Well, you may have to get fired from your current job in order for God to provide another one that does. Hmm. We pray according to His will. Lord, help me. I want better hours. I want this. I want that. And He's like, you know, that's a good thing, and I'm going to grant that. But unfortunately, you're going to have to take about a $10,000 cut, and you're going to have to work part-time maybe, But I'm going to provide that. He can also do it through others who are praying for you and by their actions. God has a wonderful way of using the body of Christ to meet the needs of his own body. He does. And every time we pray for someone in accordance to the Lord's will, we are coming into agreement with the Lord. And here is the promise, Matthew 18 Let me just read it to you. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 19, it says, Jesus speaking, he says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, underline that, (laughs) in my name, I am there in the midst of them. See, there is where our confidence comes in the will of God as we pray. It's in His name. It's according to His will. I'm going to drill this home to you today. It's so important to understand. You ask in His name. You ask in accordance to His will. And no is an answer. Remember that. Don't ever forget that no is an answer. And not yet is an answer. I've experienced all of those in my life. There are times where i prayed specifically and God came through immediately. And there are times that i prayed and I've kind of lost hope And then some time goes by and then he answers. And there are other times where I pray and he's just like, "Ah, I don't think so. Can't do it, Rob. There are things that you don't understand, not only in your life, but those around you. You you can't understand it. I don't expect you to understand it, but I expect you to trust me. Trust me for what I'm about to do because you're not going to like it. You're not going to understand it. Someday I'll tell you. Someday I'll tell you that the result, if I gave you that thing, wouldn't that be something to be in glory? one day and to think the Lord, you know, you're going to have eternity with him. I mean, you could curl up on his lap for 5,000 years and say, Lord, all those times that I prayed, can you explain what would have happened? He says, yeah, I can. You were asking for this. And if I'd have given that to you, your heart was in such a condition at this time that you would have run with it and you would have forgotten me. Oh, no, I wouldn't, Lord. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would have. It was already there in your heart to begin with. I couldn't give it to you. And not only could I not give it to you there is because there were other people watching you who knew you're a Christian, knew that you were a sold out believer. And now I'm going to give you this thing and you're going to go make a mess. And then they're going to start wondering who is this God that they serve? I thought he was more mature than that. Why is he putting candles down next to his Jeep? And why has he got a kneeling pad next to it? <laughs> You know, people do. They worship strange things. You can worship a car. You can worship a person. You can worship a job. And God says, I alone receive the glory. I alone need to receive the glory. And see, God is not, he doesn't have some kind of complex where he's upset. He's not, he doesn't throw a tantrum. No, to me, this is so wonderful because because of who he is. He demands our worship because he deserves it more than anybody else. And he's not being arrogant. He is not being arrogant. He deserves everything. He deserves my entire life offered up on a silver platter, the very best I can offer him. And even then, it is so pale. And he says, that's all I require. You give me your life, give me your heart, and I'll figure out the rest. I'll do the rest, Rob. Don't you worry. You just give your all to me, and I'll work it all out. And that's all he wants. He wants you. He wants you. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants that fellowship with you. What a wonderful thing. Is there anything better than that? Honestly, there's nothing better. Nothing better. But we can have great confidence concerning these things in prayer. Certainly we can have uh, we can have confidence when we pray for the forgiveness of sins. We know that that is his will. We can also have confidence concerning our basic needs. He promised to give us those things. The sanctification of our souls, isn't it? In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, doesn't it say, for this is the will of God, your sanctification? We know that sanctification is his will. So when we pray that, believe me, he is all in on that. And you hopefully will be a willing vessel. If you're honest... Lord, sanctify me, cleanse me from these things, and trust me, he will. If your heart is right and you really desire it, he will cleanse you, and he will rip those things away from you, and you're going to be like, I am so glad to finally be free of some of that stuff. Lord, do more, (laughs) and he's willing. But the problem is on our end, because I'm not always willing. But be willing. He's also He can also comfort our trials. We can have great confidence when we pray concerning that. And also for grace. Lord, I need grace. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need deliverance from evil, Lord. Are those things that we can have confidence in prayer? You bet. Because in Matthew chapter 6, what does it say? Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Notice, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice, The next one, give us this day our daily bread. Is that a basic need? It is. Basic needs. And it includes more than just our basic bread. It's food and clothing and shelter. Those, th- those kind of things. Give us our daily bread and, and forgive us our debts. And it's, certainly it can be speaking of uh, some kind of financial debt, but it can also mean sins. The New Living Translation translates that word sins. Metaphorically, it can mean that too. Your debts, your sins, it doesn't matter. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debt, who are our debtors. Either way, it's all right. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. So those are the things, at the very least, that we can have confidence in prayer. But alternately, there's things that God's not obligated to answer. Prayers. Prayers that violate his word. Some people play with God. They'll even invoke superstition. Have you ever done this? You'll have a prayer like, Lord, if it is not your will that I sleep with my girlfriend before marriage, cause her her car to break down before she gets to my apartment. What? Have you ever played games like that? You use superstition? Lord, if it's your will that I do this, cause a 747 to come smashing through the sky and hit that convenience store right over there. But if that doesn't happen, Lord, then I know that it's the right thing to do. Superstition. We need to toss superstition away. Hmm. You have to obey the Lord no matter what. And the Lord may allow the perfect storm. And he may allow all the pieces to come together easily that he may try you. You see, the devil will use it to tempt you, but God might allow it to teach you something about yourself. There's a difference between being tried and being tempted. Being tried by God means he already knows the outcome, but you need to know the outcome so that you know where you're at. But the devil wants to tempt you to sin, to destroy you, but God wants to try you that you might learn from whatever it is. Big difference. The motive behind those things are completely different. And therein lies the problem. Or therein lies the issue. And he is not obligated to answer prayers in the affirmative if it puts us in harm's way, of which we are not always able to have the foresight of. You know, there have been many people who have testified of praying or even not praying before an event and narrowly escaping death like that. By a, by a thread of a hair, they've uh, narrowly escaped death. I'll never forget just a couple of, about a week and a half ago, we had an accident out here at the corner of uh, Blossom Road and uh, Browncroft. And we have it, I had it on the church video because I, I saw it on the cameras. Guy came flying through the intersection just as a person was pulling out like this. This guy came and I, I thought they were going to hit them. They were so close. I mean, the breeze, <laughs> there was a breeze on that bumper when that person flew by. It hit the snowbank and flipped over on its back all the way down and slid a couple hundred feet down, this, down the right in front of the fast track. Centimeters. I wonder if that person was a believer. Maybe they woke up that morning and said, Lord, I pray that your will is done today. Lord, help me to know what your will is. Protect me today, Lord. And then to have something like that happen. You know what? That person I watched on the video, and they kept driving up Creek Street. They didn't even know what happened milliseconds behind them. They they weren't even aware of it. They just kept going. And they they, they probably will never know. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And God's not obligated to do anything that's going to cater only to our flesh. Why should the Lord give you the spouse of your dreams? You know, you got your checklist. She's got to have blonde hair. She's got to have this. She's got to have that. She's got to have this. And you've got this checklist in your mind. These are all the things that I want in a spouse. And if God gives you that person, it would end up, you'd end up worshiping them, putting them on the altar of your heart, forgetting about God, and instead putting all of your trust in that person. Is a spouse an idol to you? I've seen it happen. There was a young lady here a number of years ago, probably at least 15 years ago. Her friend got married, and they were really close friends. And she gets married, and the, her friend is so jealous, the fact that she got married, she went out and got married.
0: I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's Epistles.